0: What is up, everybody? It's your girl Pam with 2200 Taps. Hey, we just had probably a pretty intense episode, the last episode with our last guest, uh, Roy Oddball Williams. So in light of that and uh, the the holiday season, we want to just bring something a little bit different. We say that almost every episode. It's so weird. But this is going to be really different and hopefully a lot of fun for you guys. Um, we are going to laugh. We're, we don't know what's going to happen. I've got two guests that I invited on today. These two gentlemen, I actually, uh, before I formally introduce one of them that's on right now, I am going to back up. I did uh, a program at the Adaptive Training Foundation in Carrollton, Texas. Spoke about that a little bit on Carolyn's podcast, if you hadn't go, uh, heard about it. It was founded by a former NFL football player, David Vibora. And uh, even Colin Anderson, who played for the Jets, he's working there and volunteering. It's a nonprofit guys for people with disabilities, uh, veteran civilians, whether you can see them or you can't. Um, I had the absolute honor and privilege to be a part of Class 19 that started in August, and we, we graduated at the end of October. And why did I just tell you that? Because my next couple of guests that are going to be on today, hopefully we can get our second guy on soon. We don't know where he's at, but I've got one of them. My first guest, uh, his name is Aaron, and uh, Aaron is also a Marine veteran, and let me tell you, the, the shit that we used to give each other, it's good times. So Aaron, actually, I met him at, at ATF, uh, it's the Adaptive Training Foundation, um, and we all know we, like, we love acronyms, so we're going to call it ATF, and this dude and I, we just bonded. He is a good man. He's a great guy. The entire class of 19 is very special. And we're kicking off this, um, not season, but this next round of uh, interviews, hopefully with a lot of my classmates and hopefully some trainers, maybe even David. So without further ado, thank you, Aaron, so much for being here. I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me. This is uh, my first podcast. So this is kind of <laughs> cool. You, 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 you pop my podcast cherry there. <laughs>
0: so, no, so, and here we so, go. This is,
1: that's awesome. So, you know, this, this is going to be I always rememberable. So
0: <laughs> yeah, don't forget me.
1: Oh, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, to do this, um, me and my wife were always talking about doing podcasts and stuff like that because mm-hmm. we're always having super interesting conversations about a wide gamut of things. And it gets comical sometimes. You know, we're in a car or we're sitting in a living room and she's like, Why aren't we recording this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Probably be because, you know, the only people who will find it funny is me and her. And everyone else will be looking at us like, What is wrong with these weird people?
0: It so be surprised. I, mean, I
1: don't know. Maybe this will <laughs> inspire me to start. Uh, my own podcast, or just you know some short clip videos and posts on TikTok or so. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Um, I'm glad 2020 is almost over. <laughs> <laughs> 2021 is, is it, it's coming. We can't stop it. It's going to be interesting mm-hmm. what the new year brings. Um, yep. And yeah, so. Here I am. I mean, uh, that was an awesome intro. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, I just want to say that you know the ATF program was really cool. It was uh, very inspirational, um, very motivating, both physically, mentally, um, and and very challenging. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to complete all of the nine weeks with, with <laughs> our class. I was out for three weeks. But they gave me, the organization gave me an opportunity to do a 10-week class course um, called Hyper. And I was one of the first inductees into the Hyper program. And it was like the nine weeks mm-hmm. on steroids. It was actually 10, <laughs> Ten days, right? 10, 10 days. Excuse days. me, 10 days. No, yeah. Did I say weeks? 10 days. Yeah, so like, it was 10 days. <laughs> so yeah, and, and day one was like a punch in the face.
0: Like <laughs> It was just like, all right, here we go.
1: Um, it was intense. Uh, there are six, uh, six of us total in the class, um, all of us coming from um, all over the U.S. Um, and we came together and we did 10 days straight grinding, you know, two a day workouts. Um, it wasn't so much, you know, intense on the level of, you know, heavy weights and sweating to you puke mm-hmm. kind of thing, but it was more intense on the level of education on what we were doing, um, why we were doing these, these uh, exercises and these different programs and how they would affect and help us um, grow, you know, with our disabilities and stuff like that and help shape, you know, us mentally, physically. So that was the butt kicker in itself, you know, because some of the events, you know, they weren't so like, all right, we're going to lift a thousand pounds kind of thing, but it was like, okay, we're going to do steady movements and we're going to work on muscles that you forgot you had.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no. And um before we really get into that because that's like mm-hmm. the cherry on the top I feel like for this entire episode. Um I okay. want to back up a little bit and I want to you know the goal is to really capture um like your story. Your story, okay. what happened, how you got there, where you're at today and all that fun stuff. And guys, okay. um <clears throat> we are waiting for our other guest. His name is Mikey. Mikey, Mikey Roman. Here, Mikey here is know. a new daddy, guys, so he might be changing diapers. He might be, who knows what he's doing, and we'll talk a little bit about him uh, and not share too much of his story unless he comes on and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, so if he pops in at, at whatever time, that's what it, what's going to happen. But, um, so, yeah, let's, uh, let's back up a little bit. So, <clears throat> uh, if you could share with us when what your you know childhood was like a little bit we don't have to get in crazy detail but what molded you or what, what helped you want to join the marines and kind of share what that was about joining and what that looked like for you
1: um well i always tell the funny story of when i was uh in high school uh after my freshman year in california my mother had remarried and we moved to texas um, so I went to David W. Carter High School in Dallas, Texas. Um, a very infamous school where there actually there's actually a, a a 30 for 30 uh ESPN special on my high school. Oh, very cool. Yeah, check it out, it's pretty interesting. Um went to school, got involved in ROTC, and um during that time in ROTC in the marching band, playing baseball and stuff like that, I decided that I wanted to join the military. Um, and, and I like to tell the story of, you know, I, of course, I had the choices, um, the, the, the four branches, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, and,
1: mm-hmm. and, and you know, the Coast Guard. Yeah, there you go. There as well, but, you know, I've, <laughs> like, for me, the Coast Guard was always like, you know, kind of under the the, the, the the Navy or something like that. And I mean, that's kind of how we thought. I mean, that's like with the National Guard. You always think National Guard, you think, OK, it's a component yeah, of the Army, yeah, you know, yeah. and they're almost kind of separate entities and stuff like that.
0: Which is true. I'm just giving you shit. It's totally true. Yeah, yeah.
1: But but the the general ideal of it was um, back in the 90s when I was in high school, (laughs) late 90s, (laughs) um, you know, I looked at the services and um, I didn't want to join the Navy because they still wore (laughs) bell-bottoms and I was just like, (laughs) I'm not having that. Like, nah, I'm not going (laughs) to happen. The Air Force, I thought, was too easy. (laughs) Um the Army, um, I was in Army ROTC at the time, and an interesting story on that. Um, but the Army, um, My I lived with my dad for about a year, and his last wife was in the Army, and we didn't really get along, and it just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth for wanting to be in the Army. Um, and the Marine Corps um, seemed like the hardest. Um, at the time, you know, I weighed about a buck bucking a change, you know, mm-hmm. soaking wet, and a lot of people, when I told them that I had interest in joining the Marine Corps, told me that I would never make it to boot camp, you know, they're like, oh man, they're going to kill you, they're going to crush you, you're too small, you're too skinny, you know, um, and so that sort of drove me more to want to do it. Um, I went and talked to a recruiter on a Monday, I was doing the uh, the ASVAB on a Wednesday, and by, you know, a Friday, I was ready to sign papers, like, mm. no crap, like a week, time frame. Um, My uh, Army uh, ROTC colonel was not too happy about that. (laughs) Um, Him and my mother had ideas for me to go to West Point. They were trying to figure out ways for me to go to West Point, become an Army officer and that type of stuff, and that wasn't my goal. Um, And so I joined the Marine Corps kind of out of, you know, defiance of those that said I wouldn't make it. You know, and because you know, I thought you know, you think Marines, um, you know, you see the commercials for Marines, and they don't advertise about you know, education and about this and that, and the, their advertisement is solely on, based on the idea of becoming a Marine, you
0: yeah, know,
1: that, and then that's their whole sort of purpose. the few, the
0: proud, the Marines, like that's
1: yeah, it, yeah, few the proud the Marines, and that's <laughs> it. I mean, you see some of these commercials, and it's funny, it's almost comical because you see some of these commercials for for you know Marine Corps and like they used to have that one where, where some guys you know were climbing some lava mountain and he's fighting a dragon and all of this madness and you're like what the heck and all of a sudden boom he's in a you know the dress blues and a uniform and he's a Marine and you know people are thinking oh so Marines fight
0: dragons okay cool I bet that's why Mikey joined yeah you
1: know it's just like hey I'm gonna we'll go fight dragons that's cool let's do that you know and so that was the thing um and uh uh I- you know I was raised by my mom uh, for the most part it was just me and her for uh, many many years um, towards the end of uh, you know my teenage years she got married um, and um, you know someone has kind of a family with that um, you know but for what personal reasons that didn't last for her but you know it was always me and my mom um, I was raised by around a bunch of women <laughs> mm-hmm. so um, you know somebody's trying to call me we're gonna have to Uh Sorry. Okay. So, you know, I was raised by a bunch of women, um, which is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. because, you know, I learned a great deal of respect for, you know, my mom, dad, you know, I was lucky enough to have a great grandmother in my life uh, who I spent a lot of time with. Uh, my grandmother both on my mother's side my grandmother and great-grandmother had a lot of good times to spend with them uh had some aunts great aunts and all that stuff and so I, I learned a really good respect for you know w- w- what women go through and w- how women are you know I always laugh and joke and say I probably know more about women than most women do <laughs> <laughs> um so the Marine Corps gave me that 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 finishing off um I didn't have a prominent uh male figure in my life growing up you know, they're, they're, uh, people that I knew, got, men that I knew, and stuff like that, but there wasn't like you know I didn't have that everyday dad figure, right. and so my mother did the best she could raising a young a young black man in in inner city and stuff like that, and so the I always said the Marine Corps finished me off, you know mm-hmm. they taught me those qualities those things they taught me how to shave they taught me how to tie a tie they taught me you know how to dress appropriately wear a suit and all of that other fancy. Um, and so you know they they finished off what my mom started, you know. And once my mother was on board, she was kind of excited about. she was like, "Yeah, turn my boy, my little boy, into a man. You know, beat <laughs> the crap out of him, make a man out of him." You, you know,
0: know? And- I'm 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 gonna interrupt you for a second. I'm glad you're seeing this because I saw that a lot. And yes, in the Coast Guard, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. where um, people didn't know how to tie ties. Or people didn't know how to shave and, yeah. or they didn't know how to even take care of themselves. Right. And, um, military definitely put a round turn on that. And, like you said, it helped men growing up men and women growing up women. Uh, yeah. some women growing up men because yeah. some of us had to like prove ourselves t- to the guys, right?
1: Yeah, you know, um, but I mean, it's it all your level of respect. Yeah, you know, I mean, I already had the, the level of, you know, the yes or no, ma'am type thing because that's how my mother raised me, mm-hmm. but it. Uh, the Marine Corps put that extra edge on it. you know the Marine Corps taught me that I could not only be um, you know a, a, a trained fighting warrior, but at the same time I could be a gentleman mm-hmm. you know I, I could I could be a, a respected man, I could be a, you know a, a father a husband or whatever the case may be and still have that you know I'll kick your butt if I need to kind of attitude, but at the same time it was it was a level of respect. You know, um, you learn. You know, Marine Corps history and stuff like that. And you learn. Um, you know that you know Marines overcome overcame great odds a lot of times. You know, Marine Corps being the smallest group in in the in the four the big four. Uh, we we always got the hand-me-downs and stuff. Yeah, now I'm leaving Yeah, I'll coast coasty. Bastard. <laughs> and, and the big five, the big five, you we're know, actually, Coast Guard.
0: We're the smallest one, hence why you keep forgetting about us.
1: <laughs> well, well, you know, well, well, when it, I mean, when it comes to us, it's like we we always got the hand-me-downs, yeah. you know, like we get the <laughs> Army surplus equipment and stuff like that. And so we always had that saying, hey, we take Army stuff and we teach them how to use it better, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and – and so, you know, Jeez. the history that they taught us, we learned a lot about how Marines in, in small numbers did great things. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a really cool thing, you know, that was that really sort of, uh, hey, I could do whatever, you know, I, I as small as I was, you know, and then eventually I put on weight and that type of stuff. But, you know, regardless of what the challenge may uh, present itself in my life, I could overcome it. And the Marine Corps really kind of instilled that sort of um, that value to me.
0: Anyway, do you feel like that prepared you? And I'm I'm gonna get into your accident here. Do you mm-hmm. feel like that prepared you to really fight through what you went through when you got into your accident? And 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 if you can elaborate a little more about what happened, um, okay. And we we'll, you know because it's not my it's not my story to tell, um, right? But definitely if you could share with the viewers, what happened to you? Cause you were going to make uh, the Marine Corps career. Weren't you?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I started out as a reservist, um, for about four years
0: because
1: mm. my mother wanted me to go to college. And so I went to Embry-Riddle for about three of those four years. And then unfortunately we ran out of money and the riddle said, bye, you can't have a free ride. So mm. went back home, um, with mom in Texas, stayed for a little bit and decided to go active duty. Um, and uh, when I joined active duty in 2000, I, I just took off. And you know, every time you know it came time to re up, re enlist, I would look at my way, my options. I was like, Hey, I'm gonna stay in. This is fun. You know, I, I enjoy it. I, I liked it. You know, and so yeah, I was gonna make a career out of it. Um, and then in uh, 2009, um, I was on my way to my son's first day kindergarten. Um, and I was riding a uh, brand new Harley that I had a little over six months. I just got back from a three year tour in Japan out in California, riding on brand new Harley. Um, had a little over 6,000, seven, seven miles on it. You know, I love riding motorcycles. Um, 6.30 in the morning, um, lady pulled out in front of me on a two lane highway and I ended up uh, hitting her vehicle. Um, I avoided T-boning her car which would probably would have killed me. Um, but through the training that was required uh, for every Marine that wanted to be on two wheels, you know, the, the basic and advanced, uh, riders course training and all that stuff, which I believe saved my butt and, you know, wearing my proper riding gear and all of that stuff. Um, I ended up uh, hitting the rear corner panel of our car, tearing up my motorcycle and severely damaging my left foot, uh, from the ankle down. Um... I went through several years of what they call limb salvage, because at the time, uh, you know, they're like, well, we can cut it off and life will be great. And I was like, nope, not going to happen. You know, I was young and I was like, I think I've given enough to the Marine Corps. I'm not giving up my foot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you know, um, stayed in Marine Corps a few more years during rehab and all that stuff. And ultimately had to make the decision of getting out on a medical uh, discharge in 2012. Um, I retained all of my uh, early retirement benefits because I was in the right in the in, in the incident. You know, I followed all my rules, procedures, and stuff like that. Had got proper sleep all that, and they do an investigation.
0: Wow, I didn't think of
1: that. Any, yeah, in any serious mm. a- incident or accident out in town with active duty service members, they do investigations of that. Mm. And if you you as a service member are found at fault, then you could lose benefits. Yep. Um, so with me, the investigation, they asked, you know, was I wearing proper riding gear? You know, did I get enough sleep? All of those things. And I was doing everything I was supposed to do to keep myself safe, and the accident still happened. So that being said, um, I retained my benefits, medical benefits, and got a medical retirement um, out of the ordeal. Um, it was um, it was crushing. You um, know, uh, I went through, you know, I had to make that decision of, you know, do I want to, did I want to try and stay in uh, in the Marine Corps, and I knew I would would not at that point I would not be able to stay into retirement. And for me, you know, at the time I was an EOD technician, which for if anybody doesn't know, explosive ordnance disposal, I make things go boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, it's a very active uh, job field in the Marine Corps, and I knew that with my injury, I could not be at the level that I wanted to be in order to support my fellow Marines. And so I made a decision to get out, um, you know, to the, go on the medical discharge um, and end up, uh, up cutting my career short. Um, during that time timeframe, um, I got out in 2012, February 29th, 2012. Um, and then I went through a few more years of what they call limb salvage, where I tried to um, save my foot from being amputated, Um, went through several surgeries, um, reconstructive surgeries, bone marrow stuff, all kinds of fun, fanciness to the foot. And in 2015, I came to the decision that I needed to amputate my foot. Um, I was going through a lot of pain, um, difficulty sleeping, um, and I I don't like taking pain meds. because you know, in my family, there's histories on both sides of the family of you know, um, addictive, addictive natures, mm-hmm. um, and so I was very afraid of that. But the flip side of that was I was turning to an addictive nature of having a drink every night to go to sleep. You know, that was my pain man. You know, um, I wasn't a violent drinker or a violent drunk or anything, but it was like that was my go-to. You know every evening i'm sitting up you know with a a bottle of of, uh, whiskey scotch whatever and you know sipping enough to get the numbness so i could just sleep um and i decided that um, at that point in december of 2015 or actually a few months prior to december of 2015 i was like i need the foot gone you know um i had gone through a lot like i said a lot of pain a lot of issues and i enjoyed having a drink here and there but i didn't Want to do it like I was doing it?
0: So you you, know? you made a you made a conscious decision at that point. Yes, it was like a come yes. to Jesus moment, if you will. Right. Pretty do, much. Do yeah. I do you I know? continue to be an alcoholic, or, right. or or could it it could potentially lead you to alcoholism? Right. Right.
1: Or, it, 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 that was the, the the direction I was heading. You know, because drinking every night was not. You know, that was not in my plan. You know.
0: But how um, how crazy how like amazing is that to to just know that even in your most vulnerable you're you're dealing with this pain it's chronic pain you're you've got Mm. this alcohol the alcohol dependency yet you still manage to hit the brakes and you're like wait a minute i i i will take my foot off indefinitely to save my own ass because i don't want to go down this road yeah well it
1: was i mean i I thought about future things you know i thought about you know i didn't want to be you know you know I thought about like having grandkids and stuff like that. And, you know, I didn't want to be grandpa on the porch that can't run around with my grandkids because, you know, grandpa's got the lame foot, you know? And that was a big thing. You know, I couldn't do those things that I did in the Marine Corps. I couldn't go running. I couldn't go walking long distances without having severe pain, you know? And I had weighed the options. You know, like I said, when the injury, when the accident first happened, you know, I was still young and I was like, no, you're not taking my foot you know I almost I had an argument with one of the naval um doctors naval officer doctors that you know he came in and his whole option was like well I don't know why the foot is still here and I'm like excuse me (laughs) you know so I had an argument with him and I was like no we're not let's let's explore all these options first right and so when I came to that decision I felt that it was time um, I weighed all the options I went through all of the procedures and stuff that I could go through to try and save and salvage my foot and it was it was not a um, it was a losing battle, sort of say, so to speak. And so yeah I came to that decision and it was just like okay I want to be able to be mobile, I want to be able to go do things I want to you know I don't want to be grandpa on the porch with the lame foot. And so I made that decision. And, you know, when I came to the doctors, um, and I was still going to see Navy medicine at the time, I kept the doctors and I told them, I said, I want to amputate. I said, the pain is too great. You know, I'm sitting up here drinking. I don't want to be on you uh, drinking and taking any kind of pain meds and right. stuff like that. And, you know, and the they were still offering me options at the time. They're like, well, oh, we could do a brace, we could do this. And I was like, nope, no. we're done. Just go ahead and take it and let's move forward. Um, and so I had to the surgery um, right after, was it was before, um, right after Christmas was the surgery in December, 2015. Um, I had the surgery to have the foot amputated. Um, and it was, um, it was interesting, you know, because I thought about, you know, my fellow Marines, especially a lot of my EOD guys, EOD brothers and sisters that, you know, had got injured, blown up. And, you know, mm-hmm. for them, a lot of them were it was, you know, one day they have legs and they're doing what they have to do. And the next day they wake up and they don't have any legs, you know, and they didn't have a choice,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And, and so, you know, when I when I look at someone like that, I, my sympathy is a bit different because, you know, I had that choice. You know, I had a choice, keep it or not keep it. And, you know, I went through the pain and all that stuff, but a lot of them did not have that choice. And seeing them um, move forward, you know, gave me the courage to move forward because I knew, okay, I'm doing this for the better cause, you know? Um, and you know, when I woke up after the surgery, you know, I looked down and, you know, there's no more foot and I'm like, all right, here we go. Hmm. And so, you know, they were like, well, what are your goals? You know, when I started doing my rehab and stuff and I said, my goals were to be running by the summer of 16. Um, and they're like, okay. (laughs) So
0: so real quick, just so the, my listeners can get a visual, where did they Mm -hmm. amputate from?
1: Um, it was a below knee amputation. So okay. basically half of my leg below my knee was cut off. And the reason behind that um, was for proper fit of prosthetic. Um, I believe they don't have a, a prosthetic. It's just for a foot. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't just take the foot and say, okay, we're just going to add you a foot on the back on the end of that and you'll be great. Um, the, the, the best procedure would be a below knee amputation. So that left me enough of a residual limb below my knee in order to fit properly to, into a prosthetic device. Um, and so that was the option. So I lost a little bit more than, uh, in foot. than my foot, right? um one of the one of the cool things was I I had my one of my first tattoos was on my calf and jokingly I had told the uh operating doctor I said hey you know if you could save it because I knew bits and pieces of it was going to get cut off during operation (laughs) if you could save that that would be great you know because your first tattoo is like your worst tattoo but it's your favorite (laughs) tattoo right you know so I was just like if you could save it that'd be great and you know months later you know I'm sitting there massaging my stump and I look over and I'm like oh he actually did save it so oh, my scar did? is kind of unique yeah it's kind of <laughs> unique it goes around where the tattoo was and that's so awesome. like I was like this dude is cool
0: <laughs> but um
1: so like
0: it's awesome
1: December I had it amputated um March was my first what they call a check socket mm-hmm. basically getting you comfortable with having your limb inside of a device that's going to help you walk and move around um, So I got my first check socket in March of 2016. The summer of 2016, I ran the Del Mar 5K Mud Run in San Diego.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: so I have pictures of that. <laughs> oh, um, and it, it was crazy because I ran the mud run in a running leg um, with what they call a check socket on that running leg. And, you know, it's a mud run. So you're running through mud, muck, and water and you stuff. You
0: didn't freak out. I'd be freaking out like you'd be sucked in no. the mud or something
1: like it was it was weird because i mean you know my my healing process went very well Mm -hmm. i i didn't have any difficulties in my healing the incision and all that stuff you know um so i was lucky in that aspect the doctors did a phenomenal job down at at the naval hospital in balboa and Diego. um they they did an awesome awesome job um, so my healing process was really good. You know, a lot of people do go through some difficulties when they have amputations, stuff like that, you know, as far as healing, the scar, healing, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Because, you know, in, in the operation, um, and just to give a little bit of graphics there, when I say that, you know, they cut half of below my leg, they cut through the bone, took all of that top part off, but the calf muscle, they basically take that and they wrap it up over the stump and then they incision it up. So where the bottom oh, wow. of your calf muscle kind of was comes up across the residual limb and they sew that on. Oh, and so that in itself is an odd thing because you're taking the body part from one end and you're wrapping it and trying to attach it to another part. And so there's a healing process mm-hmm. with that. Um, but like I said, my healing process went well, you know, everything was moving forward for me. You know, I was, I was excited about it, you know, therapy was painful but it was good you know um I was at a state where I didn't have to depend on you know having a drink to go to bed that's awesome dude which was was awesome yeah you know and so like I said when I got that first check socket I was like you know and I I was up and running so to speak (laughs) (laughs) um and so you know progress for me was really good the um um the rehab center and the program there at Balboa was awesome and excellent, um, and so yeah, I got the approval, you know, because I, I had to make sure that my doctors and you know everybody was were on board with me doing this mud run. I was like, hey, mm-hmm. I, this is what I want to do. It's coming up. Is everything going to be cool? And they're like, yeah, you should be fine. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, I did it. There was a couple times where the leg almost came off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm serious. You know, I, so that's like I'm fishing fear. through the
1: mud, trying to make sure my leg stays on and all that stuff. Um, but I did it. Um, my wife was there. Mm-hmm. Um, my my middle child, my son, Jake, he actually did the mud run with me. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so that was really cool. I have I have some pictures from it. I'll have to post it on my Facebook. I think I got them posted on my Facebook. Um, but it was just awesome. Um, And so I moved forward with that. And then I kind of fell into this whole sort of um, just sort of melding moment of, okay, that was great and blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't, I really wasn't doing anything else, you know, physically.
0: Well, let me, uh, let me stop you real quick because I don't want to get too far ahead. Um, Just because you made a, you made a comment about, you know, you're afraid to be addicted to painkillers and and all this stuff because you had uh, addictive Mm. personality traits in your family. When you, re- when you were recovering from your surgery, how did you manage mm. that? Because you're were, you were at the Naval Hospital, and we know mm. that they're very, people are very fast to shove painkillers down our throats. So right. how, how was the recovery process on that end for you as far as taking medication for pain management and stuff and your fear around that?
1: Um, I, t- I took the meds when it was necessary, and I tried to get to a point where I could deal with the healing pain. Um, I, I knew there was necessary points. I mean, you know, I had a major surgery, um, you know, nerve blocking and all that stuff mm-hmm. was, was evident. And so there was some nights where, you know, it, it was some serious pain. So there, there was a purpose in that beginning phase of, okay, I need to be on these meds, you know, I need to, so my body can heal, you know, but... For me, it was like, I, on a mental standpoint, I um, just, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to do this until I know I can tolerate the rest of this healing pain, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that was my goal, Um, you know, and I I say that because, um, like, there's, I've done things in my life where, you know, I've I've had addictive natures of doing things, and then it's like, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stop. You know, and, and I'm really hardcore about, okay, I'm just going to stop doing it. Um, you know, um, I, I smoked cigarettes for about 10 years. Um, I don't even, I think my mom knows, she may know, <laughs> she may not know, she knows yeah. now. But like for a little over 10 years, I was a heavy cigarette smoker yeah. because I, I drank, you know, and it started yeah. when I was going to, down in college um, at, 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 down in Florida. And so I did that for quite some time. And then around about the time um, in the Marine Corps when I was coming back from Japan uh, was when I start that process of quitting. So um, I actually quit in the middle of recovery from my injuries, because I was still smoking one or two a day, then. and then I just finally stopped.
0: Yeah.
1: Like I didn't do any patch, I didn't do, you know, any programs or any stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those health conscious kind of decisions of like, okay, this is not good for me, Yeah. I don't need to do this. Yeah. You know, and it was the same thing with like, you know, the drinking to go to sleep kind of thing is like I got to that decision of this is not good for me. I need to change that up. Yeah. And so with the pain meds, it was that same mentality of, you know, I've had this major surgery. I know that I need some of these meds in order to help myself, my body heal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I got to the point of, OK, I'm good, I can tolerate what I got going on, I'm going to stop. And so that's just kind of where it was with me. Um, like I said, uh, I know that I have an addictive nature. I, You know, you get involved in things, whether it's video gaming or on the phone, social media, it doesn't matter. You know, addictive natures come out in all kinds of aspects of your right. life. And mm-hmm. being able to recognize those things and being able to take that step back, it, it takes a, to me, it takes a strong old person to do that, you know, because a lot of people... Um, they get involved in these addictive natures of things and it's just like well this is just what i love to do this is comfortable for me i'm just going to keep doing it
0: well, even when it becomes harmful yeah so. and there, this like this thank you for sharing that by the way and the reason i, I ask is because I, I get it um i was addicted to painkillers there for a little bit and after uh i couldn't walk for two weeks of my back injury back in 2009 mm. and i had like went to the er they gave me like 30 oxycodones or something like that i went to the er again two days later they gave me another prescription of that so i was like very happy for two weeks and oh, yeah <laughs> and it got to the point where it wasn't working so i would start drinking alcohol with it like i was really dumb with this stuff and yeah. um i said i was addicted but i was probably addicted for like three days like just less than a week because i ran out right. and i'm like crap like i need it and my stomach was uh, i just it was a very subtle withdrawal but it was there You know, it wasn't like this, holy crap, I need an intervention. Uh, But I get it. And the reason I wanted to ask you more specifically is because people struggle with that. That's a real thing. Yeah. And uh, it's a choice. It's hard. It's
1: difficult. You know, I've I've had family members pass away from addictions. Yeah. You know, and it was by their choice. You know, because it is. It ultimately comes down to a conscious choice. You know, you can't help someone until they want help. You know, and that's really hard for a lot of people to understand because, you know, there are folks out there that want to be, have that helpful nature. And they're like, I want to save the world. I want to save everybody. Yeah. But sometimes people just don't want to be saved. And that that's a real, to me, that's a real heart pill that, to, you know, it pun is. intended, that's a real heart pill to swallow. It is. You know, is. understanding that some people just don't want to get out of the situation that they're in and I mean, others do. Yeah. And being able to differentiate from that and being able to understand, okay, this person really does want to get out of this or being able to understand the underlining reason for why they are where they are, you know, because, and that's a big point too. Um, you know, a lot of people are addicted to, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever the case may be, because they're hiding something else, you know,
0: well, and there's to
1: be able to get that, that root cause mm-hmm. may help the other.
0: Well, it's scary, you know, and, I, and there's the, the entire psychology behind it. Right. And um, it's just, there's a hole in your heart and you're filling right. that hole in the heart with these addictions. Right. Whether like you said it's it's that or porn or sex or whatever the addiction whatever. is, video games, right? It's 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 a, it's just you're filling your heart with that instead of really looking at what's going on and people don't want to look at it because it's scary. Right. Right. But but the cool thing about that is when you realize like there's something there you can lean on somebody you trust. To work oh, yeah. th- to work oh, yeah. through that, you don't have to do it by yourself. Yeah, and I'll get off my soapbox because I can really take off for another hour about <laughs> this. But you know, ha- having a support having a
1: support system is good. um I- I'd like to say that my wife, my wife now is, is my is, she's my rock. She's my support system.
0: She's awesome. Um, she
1: was here. She was here in the beginning of my incident, and at the time we were just dating you know we were casually dating um and uh just a, a short quick story on that um i was staying at um uh, my uh my biological father's place out in san bernardino when i first had my accident and after i'd spent a couple months in the civilian hospital and was in that transition period um, and I had a house out of station in 29 Palms, California, and I had a house house renting in Joshua Tree, which is the, the little town next yeah, door to 29 Joshua Palms. Tree, yeah. Um, and, um, my wife, Tony, uh, me and her were casually dating. She lived down in Desert Hot Springs, which is down the mountain from 29 Palms. And I was out in San Bernardino. So for those who know Southern California, there's, there's some distance going on there. Um, I was in San Bernardino, I was on pain meds, I uh, had a wound back on my foot and all of this stuff. And this was before the amputation. And, um, I hadn't been to, I had not been to my house in a couple months, you know, and I had this house kind of set off in a desert field and stuff almost by itself. There's a few houses around it. And I was like, I need to get to my house, make sure my stuff is still there, you know, make sure, you know, somebody hadn't broken in and cleaned me out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have anybody to come get me. Um, my father at the time was, um, back home in the South, visiting family and stuff like that. Um, and I was pretty much in that house by myself, uh, trying to move around, you know, with, with wound vacs and all that stuff on me. So I called Tony and I said, hey, look, I said, uh, I realize you don't know me very well. <laughs> <laughs> we're, you know, we're just casual dating. I said, but I need a big favor. I said, I can't drive. I have on pain meds and stuff and i need to get to my house in joshua tree out uh, and i'm in san bernardino i need you to come get me yeah you know come all the way up to san bernardino come get me then take me all the way back to my house so i can make sure everything is okay and i was like okay gas money whatever you need i said i, I need help and she's like okay
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: didn't really question it or nothing so you know she shows up and you know she sees me all bandage banged up, and she gets me in her vehicle, and we're heading back out there to the desert. And she's like, "Well, what are you gonna do for food and stuff?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, whatever hasn't spoiled in my fridge and whatever canned goods I could salvage in my in my kitchen, I'll, I'll be good." You know. And she's like, "No, you're gonna come stay with me for the evening, and and I'll feed you." And, and that was it. That was her downfall. <laughs> she fed me a home cooked meal. And, you know, like any any stray dog or cat or animal keep out on the, the streets, you know, <laughs> you, you feed them once, they're going to keep coming back. So that's basically what happened. You know, she fed me and I, I'm still with her. But, I mean, she, you know, she, yeah, she's still feeding me too. And, you know, I'm not leaving. No time soon. Any. I, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. I'm here. But she took care of me you know she ended up being sort of my caretaker you know along with you know having home care nurses and stuff like that but you know many times she was the one you know helping me get up to get to the bathroom um you know helping the nurse change my wound or my wound back or my foot and stuff like that and so she did all of this stuff um and this was before you know we were even married Mm -hmm. um you know, and I ended up proposing to her. Um, at the t- and, you know, I was there like, you go. I, I got to keep this woman yes. on my team because she's, Smart this man. is the, she's awesome. <laughs> um, And it was funny because at the time um she was doing foster care. Um, So she had three foster children, plus her own two children that, you know, became my kids uh, once we got married and stuff. And so it was, it was already made big family, you know, and I had a son from previous marriage. And so I was just like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm, you know, I proposed to her, um, d- during a, um, um, an event down in Lake Havasu and all that stuff. I'm, I'll tell that story another time. Cause that's <laughs> also sorry story sell. but she said, yes, obviously yeah. she married me and we're still married together. Uh, next year will be our 10 year anniversary. That's awesome, Nick. Um, so we've been married almost 10 years. We always say we've been married for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that she was there in my corner, um, helping me go through the, the limb salvage process uh, was there in my corner when I made that decision to have to foot amputated, you know, and once again, you know, help me go to the bathroom help me do all of these things that helped out a lot.
0: And you, you didn't know, push her away.
1: Sport. And I didn't push her away. You,
0: needed you know,
1: it. and, and it, it was difficult for me, you know, because once again, become, you know, going from being that big, big bad Marine to this helpless one-legged guy. <laughs> 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 yeah. You know, it's, it's like, okay. But, yeah, she's stuck in my corner, and, I mean, I I can't say it enough. i probably talk about her more than she even (laughs) knows that I do. I love it. And that was a big, big thing, big thing that drove me to want to continue. Um, And, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that'd be a good segue. Um, Mm -hmm. So you, we've heard your story, and let's get to where we met at ATF, because that's actually a fun, cool little story yeah um so you we came to atf in august of 2020 and the reason i'm putting the date out there is because this episode may be list heard 10 years from now right. um so august 2020 here we are a group of how many 10 11 people maybe and it was a, a mishmash true. of veterans and civilians correct and um Right away, I think you and Mikey gravitated towards each other because it was like I'm a Marine. Well, shit, I'm a Marine. Marines. What kind of <laughs> what color crayon do you like? I mean, it was just like one yeah. of these things, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Here
1: you we can't go. escape us. We are everywhere, <laughs> man. I, I can't tell you the. You guys are like crabs,
0: it, man. Just... We try to get rid of you, and they just stay. You can't get rid of Marines, there, man.
1: And if you get four of us in a room, oh boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we almost did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're really close, we're really close. close. But so we started the program, and I just I need to brag on you for a minute. Because right out the gate when we started working out, you know, first, you know, we're in there, we introduce each other whatever. And then we start like our little workout and it's a really quick mobility. Hey, what can you do? Let me introduce you to the trainers, yada, yada, yada. Mm. I kid you not, you were standing right next to me and I was like down on all fours with Rita. Shout out to my my trainer, Rita. And mm. you're doing lunges in front of me. And I'm like... <laughs> And you gotta forgive me, man. I've been I've been around people with disabilities, like from top to bottom, like left to right. But to actually right. see somebody with a prosthetic leg do a lunge and that sucker didn't pop off, <laughs> I was like, what? And I didn't realize how ignorant I was. I'm like, holy shit! Like I didn't. Wow. And it 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 really it inspired me. I'm like, what? And it it served its purpose because that's the whole point of working out with each other, right? Is Right. To push right. each other and stuff, but I'm like, oh my god, like so, they didn't. So to, fly so to pick off, up on like, that, it,
1: the the leg that I had, um, it was a brand new leg. It's a Martin Bionic leg, mm-hmm. and for those who are amputees out there, um, whether it be arms or legs, Martin Bionics is, uh, I think they're really cool. Um, the leg that I have is it's called a Martin Bionic leg, and it gives me a lot more flexibility than a traditional mm-hmm. um, um, socket or a traditional prosthetic wood. Um, with the traditional prosthetic, I would not have been able to do those lunges the way I uh, did them. Uh, the Mark One gave me a lot of more flexibility and stuff like that. And so I was still new with that leg. I think I've had had a few months, and I was like, "I'm here to explore and try to break this thing."
0: Well, it, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and so yeah, just I mean, I was like, "This is cool." Um, you know, as you're watching me doing lunges, I'm watching me in my mind. I'm like. I'm actually doing this. You're this doing is a lunch.
0: <laughs> It was nuts, and you you had your Superman shirt on one of the days. And oh yeah, one 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 one. Excuse me, as I stutter because so many things just went through my head at once. <laughs> there was one day that you brought your running leg in, mm. and I <laughs> I I remember you brought your running leg, and I again I didn't know much about it because you know when it comes mm. to working out and amputees, I had never seen it. I've never been around it. None of that. Right. And um, next thing I know is I see you running with this sucker on, like, by me and Rita on the on the Reformer. And I'm like, what is he doing? Like, you're running, like, balls to the wall. I'm like, this dude never runs. Like, that's like a magic leg or something. Uh, but come to find out, that was the first time you ran in how long? It was, it was a couple of
1: years, almost four years, I guess. So... I-
0: what what and I want to back up. What happened that made you never want to touch that thing again up until that day?
1: Well, I um, for some amputees, uh, when you're in your prosthetic device, uh, some people experience a lot of sweating, and when you're in your liner, that sweat gets you know in between unit liner, it makes your leg slick, it makes it want to pop out. Um, for me, I didn't experience everyday sweating, but when I wor- work out, my leg would sweat. Um, and so I was on a running trip on the treadmill one day with my running leg. I'm um, at the Y in San Diego and I'm running along doing my thing. And I started to sweat and my leg almost came off and it freaked me out. Man. And I was just like, I can't do this. I, I need to, I need to fix this. And so I, I, I stopped running because I couldn't, that, that was my running foot and I stopped running. I put it under the bed. And so fast forward, um, I'm in Dallas, Texas, um, trying to stay athletic, you know, I started playing sled hockey, which is another avenue, um, you know, just, just trying to find that fire, that drive, you know, and that was one of the things that led me to the ATF program was, you know, I wanted to refine that, that workout drive, Right. Um, so um, my initial reasoning to go on to Martin Bionics was to find a better running leg, because I wanted to put that thing back on, um, and then, Instead, we got me a better well, walking leg or activity leg that I wore. Um, and we were not, with the technicians there at Martin Bionic, we said, well, you know, we're going to work on this. And then once this is good, then we'll look at getting you a running leg. Well, when I went to ATF, they, you know, they gave us this goodie bag because there are a lot of people that sponsor us to go to the program, you know, x costs X of do- dollars for us to go to that program and, and other entities, other organizations sponsor us to do Huge that. Huge
0: shout out to those guys.
1: And, and so part of that, you know, you get this goodie bag and I call it the goodie bag, but you get a lot of uh, things in it that you can try out. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things in that bag was this um, uh, um, limb sock that you put on prior to putting on your liner. Um, and it was supposed to help with the sweat, and so I was like, okay, and so then I did, the wheel started clicking in my hand, I was like, maybe I could wear this sock with my liner, with my running foot, and it won't fall off, and so I brought the leg in one day, the running foot, and, you know, I put the sock on, I put the liner on, I got my leg on, and it had been almost four years since I had put that running leg on, so, you know, I got it on, I, got my leg down in there and I'm fitting in I'm like okay this this feels good this feels okay let's see if I could run in it and so I was just standing there and I was supposed to be warming up for another exercise to get, regain the mobility and I just took off running <laughs> just of down a path and so I'm like okay it's there okay let's see you know because I wanted to sweat I wanted to see if it's gonna fall off because I was like well if I fall off here you're
0: trying to wait for Alex to like yeah. get you started
1: Oh You're my! Like my trainer was not happy. He was not happy about me just taking <laughs> off. He's like, "What are you doing?" Hey, cut Who it Who was this also
0: marine. a Marine, by the way?
1: Yeah. So you know, <laughs> he's like, "What are you doing, Marine?" Like,
0: huh? What? It wasn't me.
1: You know, I do it. I don't know. It was the lake. The lake made me do it. I, I'm glorious. sorry. But you know, I was like, I want to do that. I was excited, you know, because I had uh, some sort of new technology that could help me mm-hmm. stay in this lake. You know, and so it was just one of those, okay, I got it on. It feels good. It feels okay. Let's test it. You know, because immediately in my mind, like I said, once again, I wanted to sweat in this thing. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to fall off. And I was comfortable um, at ATF in an in an environment knowing that if I did have an accident, if it did fall off, if I did fall on my face, I there were people there to help me. <laughs> you know, and, and that was a big confidence booster for me. No, because what I almost fell on the treadmill and, 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 and at the little gym that I was at, it was just kind of like you know I'm looking around, see if anybody noticed. and I'm just yeah. like, okay, we're just going to stop this right here.
0: Well, yeah, there's that, you know? um, there's that just fear, whatever yeah, that is, whether it's judgment it, or it falling off or something, right? There's something there.
1: Yeah, you know, it's just like is anybody going to even try and help me if it is? So I, I was, yeah, I was, I was kind of scared of it, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I just tucked it away. I was like, until I can figure out how to keep this thing from falling off of me, I'm not going to wear it.
0: So, yeah, that was actually an amazing day to see that. Like, I I kid you not. And I think you had your Superman shirt on that day, actually.
1: I you always I, one of those, I, I have a bunch of little superhero shirts. And it's funny because I wear them under my hockey uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just kind of it gets me in that zone. I, I like comic mm-hmm. books and all that stuff. I I'm, I call myself a quasi you know quasi comic nerd you know because I know like comic books and sci-fi stuff awesome. and all that fun stuff. And so when I wear those little superhero outfits, it's kind of a um, know, people still trying to call me. Mm. Is when, when I wear those little superhero outfits, I I kind of think about that superhero yeah. whose outfit that I'm wearing. Aww. I have a Spider-Man, I have a Superman, I have a Batman, I have a Punisher, um, Captain America, Um, and I want to get more. I want to get you a Wonder Woman
0: shirt.
1: Yeah, I need one of those too, because Wonder Woman is
0: badass.
1: (laughs) 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 But, you know, like when I wear the Superman shirt, you you think about the qualities of Superman, you know. He's this, this, this man of steel, this alien from another planet that grows up in America, that becomes American, and, you know, his whole deal of, you know. I'm American, you know, and regardless of where I come from and, you know, he he's truly an alien, you know, this dude's got, you know, superpowers, he's the man of steel, he's, you yeah. know, but at the same time, he still struggles with the same type of mental issues that every other American, or every other person on earth would struggle with, you know, how to use, you know, said gifts and this, that and the other. And so I sort of I sort of visualize that whole, okay, I'm going to be Superman today. I'm going to be that man of steel. Regardless of what adversities I got, I, I'm gonna just knuckle up. That's you know? amazing. Or if if I got the Punisher, you know that that that's my you know it's gonna hurt today kind of thing because you know you look at the character of the Punisher and you know he's just this every every shade guy that you know started out on this whole revenge quest and then turns into this sort of anti superhero sort of persona.
0: You know, and I oh man, I'm so glad you said that because we all have our little our favorite superheroes that we've idolized at some point right um I used to love He-Man when I was a little kid but that's neither here nor there but I do I do want to highlight because you you know you said and it's it's there are no accidents you said you know Superman he has this but he he struggles with this he struggles with that and one struggle Mm -hmm. I want to bring up is the fact that we are in COVID times Right. Yes. (laughs) And for my listeners, this is not going to be a political discussion by any means. The only reason I bring it up is because during our training, Aaron actually came down with COVID. Right. And we it it was literally like maybe week because there's nine weeks in the program, maybe week five or six. It was something like right towards. It was like right in the middle. Right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Because I when I came back, I was able to finish the last. Two weeks. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, yeah. So right in the middle, right when we're, we're all climbing this mountain together, Aaron falls back. And if, you know, we're, we're, we're a tight knit little group. They split us up every other day. So we were even tighter, our little class, you know, we had right. five or six people. And then it went down to like a few and, and we really missed you. And it was just like, dude, like what's going to happen? How's this going to play out? And you ended <laughs> up, you ended up finishing with us to graduate. Really? Um and what people don't know it with ATF if you miss x amount of workouts you have to make them up in order to graduate. Right. And whether you do one, two or three of them in a day, you will get your workouts in. And they're right. safe about it. They make sure you're okay and you're not getting crazy with it. But you you managed to graduate with us. And at graduation, David's like, "By the way, Aaron, we're inviting you back." And this is where I'm mm. going to come full circle from what we were starting at, right? Okay. You came back to, what was it called? The uh,
1: and Hyper. It was the, a 10-day program called the Hyper. It's just called Hyper. Hyper. Hyper program. So it
0: was a 10-day Hyper program at ATF, and mm. it was the very first. Like, you guys were plank owners. Yes.
1: We're class one. Class one.
0: <laughs> and you guys, again, David Vibora, ex-NFL football player, or retired NFL football player, um it was a two day workout for 10 days. Yes. So there's that there's that tie in, right? But one <laughs> and we had a lot of really cool athletes come through. I was kind of following you guys. Uh and one in particular, he's he's kind of a celebrity in the veteran world. Uh retired oh, yeah. staff sergeant Travis Mills. And he is one guys, listeners, he is one of five quadruple amputees from the Iraq Afghanistan war. One of five That's still, I'm getting goosebumps down my legs now that I just said that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And this man, and it's actually, he's the big reason why, him and another guy, why ATF actually started with David. Yes. So, real quick, we've we've got a few minutes left. Tell me about that Mm -hmm. experience to just, because I know I was in awe of you when I saw you doing lunges. How Mm -hmm. was that to see this man, all of them, really, but then to see this little guy, and I shouldn't say little that let me retract that statement because he's he's a he's a strong and powerful dude just his oh yeah and but he he was on his he yeah I'm gonna shut up tell me about this like what was that like (laughs) I'm just like speechless over here
1: well first off you know starting a class and you know getting in there and you know Travis was there and Travis Mills and, and um I knew of him. I haven't read any of his stories. That's the crazy thing. I haven't read any stories, stuff like that. I knew of him from the story that David told us mm. and all that stuff. And, you know, I knew his dad's heart, and a lot and, you know, I knew his intro injured and all that. But just meeting him and not knowing his story, not knowing anything about, just getting to know his personality was probably the coolest thing for me, you know, because it wasn't like I was like, oh my God, dude, you're so awesome. Let's take a selfie. And I, I'm African. I don't even think I took any pictures with him at all. <laughs> it was just being able to just Chill and talk with him, Man. you know. Um, really, really funny guy. <laughs> I mean, freaking hilarious. And just his way about him, um, the things that he's doing with his programs and and his mm-hmm. um, organizations and stuff, and just his attitude on life in general was just like, this dude is cool. And you know, at, at many points in the program, I, I didn't see him as Travis the quadruple, you know, amputee. I just saw Travis as, Travis's, you know army dude that was used to be an army and he's got some kind of famous story like yeah that's cool yeah. but I, I saw past the prosthetics and all that stuff and it was just like yeah I know Travis you know and it was just really interesting both him and my other um, classmates in the hyper program everybody coming with different stories um, a lot of us you know very active in our athletic sports you know we had a gentleman from New York who uh, does softball um he, he's a double amputee um we had a guy um a c7 uh spinal cord injury who who's who's a weightlifter like this dude has like massive arms like dude i want arms like you see the guy that,
0: that was in the wheelchair that was um yeah taking pictures that was right? kenneth oh his name's yeah. kenneth
1: yeah. yeah wow and so so kenny was like i mean just this massive so it, bodybuilder uh we have another gentleman you know that that um just all around just athlete Dan was just like our, our superstar mm-hmm. of the team Um you had me I, you know um, I play sled hockey now and you know I'm, I am I think I'm really good at it I'm not really <laughs> at it, but yeah you know, I, I love I love playing it I mean you know I'm on the ice I hate the cold but I play on the ice Um but um you had me and then we had the, the one woman Lee that was in our organization you know she's she's done some I think she's done some marathon running and stuff like that and she's very active um, and so we had these, this group of six that you know we weren't strangers to being athletic, but we were still dealing with how to be how to maintain that level of eliteness with our disabilities. And so like I said, the day one was a punch in the face. It was like, all right, here we go. let's do this, you know um, And it wasn't so much a sweat and burn kind of program you know it wasn't like you know we're just going to kill you to exhaustion your muscles are going to fall off your bone and that type of thing but it was more so of we're going to educate you on how to properly exercise and how to use muscles in your body that you forgot that you had
0: right
1: you know and so and that in itself and the intensity brought upon on that and uh, the awesome trainers that we had that, you know, that really broke down the reasons why we were doing these exercises, the methods behind them, what to look for and all that stuff. It, and it did make us sweat and we were sore and we were, were in a little bit of pain and all that stuff. But it was a good soreness, a good pain, because we were understanding that there are other muscles in our bodies that we can activate to help us move, you know, mm-hmm. and it was it's very movement based. Um, you're, you know, we were doing two days, one in the morning, one in the afternoons, or even time. And, you know, it was, they were intense, but at the same time, it was just real, like, all right, this is awesome. Um, so, you know, having Travis and having the other team members there, you know, it was really great. Um, I really appreciated ATF for, you know, allowing me to come back and to um, turn and burn again um, and being, the first class was exciting in itself, you know, like, Hey, we're, we're, tr- we're going to try it. And they told us on the first day, we're going to try out some things and see how it goes, you know, and there are adjustments made on the fly. And I appreciate the, the, the staff and, and the coaches and stuff for being able to recognize and to make those adjustments on the fly to accommodate, you know, us, but at the same time, push us, mm-hmm. you know, so the accommodation wasn't just, okay, well, you know, we got Kenny here in the wheelchair. We're just going to dumb this down. No, no, let's find out how we can still accelerate, but at the same time, do it safely because you know there are certain limitations that we had, and so they did that with not only with Kenny, they did that with the Travis, they did that with myself, and they did that with the other classmates, and we were still able to accomplish. And I mean, it was just, it was a butt kicker, but <laughs> it was, it was fun. Like amazing, I was, man. I enjoyed it. You know, <laughs> I would wake up every morning and sit on the edge of my bed for about 30 minutes stretching the bones and muscles, and my wife would tell me, "Hey, you're moving a little slow." Like, yep. I gotta get it. <laughs> Time to go. So. Well, that's
0: what that's what I absolutely love about ATF. And guys, uh, the Adaptive Training Foundation is nonprofit. So donations, donations, donations. Sponsor athletes, most definitely. Uh, I think it it costs somewhere between ten to twelve thousand dollars to sponsor one athlete through our nine week training right. program. So huge shout out to everyone who's donated, sponsored, supports that mission because. Uh, I, I watched an interview with David one time, and he said there is a need. There is a need for something like this because people with quote-unquote disabilities, right, are mm. forgotten about because yeah. the world is spinning so fast. We tend to forget the people that aren't able to do it or keep up. And right. what's cool about ATF is, like you said, they challenge you. It's like, oh, you know, because it was was it Bob? Bob. And I don't think you were there. I think you were still dealing with COVID. Bob had to step on a 20-inch... You know box and Bob is has an amputated leg and Bob survived cancer after 20 something years and I'm hoping to get him on pretty soon uh, to share that story because it's incredible but what was crazy is this man felled over and over and over and over again on this box until he nailed it and literally blood sweat and tears and anytime you tell him I'm afraid to do something they're like we're gonna do it Let's do it. Like Travis, like David's like, you ever work out? And Travis was like, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I'm missing all four limbs.
1: Yeah. How how are we going to do this? He's like, Like,
0: you know, usually gravity kind of takes over and I'm falling. So David's like, all right, then we're going to fall. So, and that's what I, and not to take over, but we're wrapping up here is, you know, when I was, I had my back problems and still have the problems. People are like, oh, don't lift that. It's too heavy for you. I'll get it. Which naturally Mm -hmm. that's what we do. Yeah. However, ATF does a, the complete opposite.
1: No, they're like, you can do you're this. You're going to
0: lift it. When I'm we're like, done with you, you,
1: you will do you're this. <laughs> lift it, man.
0: And I remember because I'm like, man, my back was locking up. Same thing. Rita was working on me. And Rita's like, all right, we're going to lift the sandbag. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. I'm, and I, I didn't know how heavy it was. It was 60 pounds. And for somebody like me who I would literally hurt myself, Lip, just bending over to lift something didn't have to be 60 pounds just something right she's like nope you use your core you use your butt and, and like you said they they coach you use those other muscles yeah yes on how to do it safely so you don't hurt yourself and dude i'm right. lifting 240 freaking pound tires now doing tire flips and nice. my back's okay
1: yeah
0: doesn't mean it doesn't hurt here and there but it's because of what they taught us And I'm glad you said that because it's about just put your ego at the door. You're okay. Check your ego at the door.
1: It was so refreshing to be in an environment where it was okay to be scared to do something. But at the same time, they're like, we're going to show you how you can do this. You know, And regardless of what our injuries were, whether they were internal or external, it was that sort of, okay, fear is good. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to show you how to overcome that fear.
0: How to dance with it. Show
1: you that you can actually do these things because they're, I think in the medical field, they're still trying to understand the full concept of the human body. And it still amazes people that, you know, what we can do and what we haven't even tapped into, you know, and... ATF, the, the trainers there are really inept and in, in, in getting into that sort of, hey, there are more muscles in your body than you realize that can help you overcome where one muscle, muscle may fail or where you may not have that muscle anymore to use. Um, and so, you know, um, they, they gave us that confidence, you know.
0: Yeah. And wonderful. and it was a
1: comfortable environment for us to build that confidence in ourselves and that encouragement to small step encouragements that add up to the big step encouragements.
0: You Absolutely. Know?
1: And, you know, going from, okay, I can't do this to I can do this into, you know, those building blocks, it, it just, you know, it helped out. And, you know, I'm very grateful for the program, I'm very grateful for ATF, um, grateful for the support. I've gained some new friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. constantly seeing you guys on Facebook and liking it. I, I I suck at social media. I'm trying to get better <laughs> at it. So, you know, I'm trying to make more you know comments and stuff like that. But you know, I, I see stuff going on with my classmates from you know the the, the class nineteen and my classmates now from the Hyper One. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm just like, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. Like, like, and when I do those things, it's like, no, I'm really like excited about that because I I saw where we started and how we've grown from where we start to where we are mm-hmm. and it, it's it leaps and bounds and so everything that we're doing now moving forward is an add on to what we've learned and that building block to getting us to where we want to be mentally physically in this space
0: right so and like I told Mo and shout out to Mo let me let me give a shout out to Mo Brosette. the guy is amazing <laughs> he just did the go ruck you know 24 hour um I don't know the official title, but they kick your ass for 24 hours, like crazy. And he was, he was one of four people that completed it out of hundreds, this competition in Florida. And the dude is like, he was the guy that mentally got us prepared to get these workouts going. Like we would meet with him for the first 15 minutes and then we'd go get our asses kicked and then we would come back and he would bring us back, you know, and Huge shout out to him because today he actually, they launched a uh, his, his podcast on Spotify now. It's called Hunter and Prosper, and it's the, the and symbol. Hunter and Prosper with Mo. Uh, the, it, so if you guys want to tap into a little bit of what Aaron and I experienced with him, go check out his podcast. Subscribe, follow, and all that fun. Send him some love. Tell him that we sent you. And nice. another huge shout out to the ATF family, the trainers, the volunteers, these guys are smart. And then, oh, Charlotte's Web. Special yeah. shout out to Charlotte's Web. Uh, if you don't know, not the book, not with yeah. the spider and, and, like, and the pig. I don't the book. Really? I got to read that? No, Charlotte's Web, man. They, uh, they provide, they're, they're a sponsor of ATF and they provided us with uh, some some gummies that really helped out with recovery and the sleep gummies. Dude, I'm actually sleeping like a baby with those gummies. And uh, nice. if you're listening, Charlotte's Web, um, I could use a sponsor and I'll happily uh, be a brand, a brand ambassador or whatever it is that you want. Because uh, I think Ginny even said that our class was like the first class that like a lot of us really like we were not relied on the gummies, but really loved them. Yeah. You know what they were doing for us. So shout out to Charlotte's Web. Um well, Aaron, I think I think we're pretty solid, man. I want to say thank you right. so much for Appreciate being here it. today, man. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Mikey, awesome. Mikey I... must be doing daddy duty because he still hadn't been here. Uh, he,
1: he's knee deep in daddy duty. Is, mean, absolutely. He, look, the little one is, you know, a couple months old, and so he's yeah. I I'll, she...
0: I'll give him
1: I'll give him crap about it later. I'll Please text do. him, give him a call. Like, was, Dude, where
0: I, were you? I'm telling why you, why aren't you here? I mean, the diaper's
1: not that hard to change. What do you do?
0: <laughs> but it's Mikey, 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 could, yeah. man, it's Mikey, guys. I don't know how to explain him other than that. I'm hoping to maybe, maybe when we get him on, we'll invite you back. You know, just to oh, kind of, most definitely, we'll, just I'll, to I'll, give him I'll definitely
1: do it. Just, just, just because, because <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's nothing, nothing. Nothing is more interesting than, you know, having a couple of Marines in a room or on chat and just going back and forth at each other and, you know, poking Man. at each other and all that stuff. I mean, that's one of the, the, the things that I missed about being in a Marine Corps, the camaraderie that I had with, you know, my fellow Marines yes. from all over the place, you know, and, and us with all of our different personalities and our different backgrounds growing up and all that stuff, being able to come together and just have a good time and and get the job done and do what we did too. And I think you can find you'll find that in all five branches of the service. Yes. You know, yes. all five branches of the service, you'll find that. You know that camaraderie <laughs> because you know people come together from all over the place, and you know, um, I, I know some folks may hate it, but I, I think everybody in, in in America should serve a couple of years in the, in the in the military.
0: Yeah, so I think mean, it would
1: open their eyes to a, a better understanding of how we can all get along.
0: Yeah, and uh, not be so sensitive. And I'll leave that
1: one alone right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to, we well, what's funny, you know, real quick before we sign off, I've, I've got some friends that they wish they could have served, but they couldn't for undisclosed reasons, whether it's your health or X, right. Y, and Z, right? I totally get that, and I, I respect that 100%. Um, the people that, quote, unquote, almost served because they thought about doing yeah. it, but they didn't, I don't want to hear yeah. it. I don't
1: yeah. want to hear it. Just do it, Just I just, do it, just, I just, just don't. Do I love it.
0: you. And I'll respect you, but let's not <laughs> go there. Yeah. Um, and shout out to my first civilian job that fired me after I got out. Yeah, we need Sweet. less sensitive people out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Aaron, again, thank, thank you. you so much. Uh, stay, stick with me. We'll we'll wrap up here after we're done. But. Um, All
1: right. Thank you for having me, and I. I mean, I'm more than happy to come back again and tell more stories. Oh, yeah, man. I got- Thousands of
0: them. The stories, we may do a special episode of just like sea stories or like some stories. of them
1: are true, some of them are not.
0: I mean, we can't really get in trouble. I'll let now. you decide. Yeah. Well, I thought about actually having you, Mikey, Gina, and uh, Alex on like together so that mm-hmm. that way it was us with our trainers. Right. And then I realized that having three fun. Marines on one call, I would not be able to do this. There's no way we could do it. <laughs> And then Gina laughing her ass off, like we would go sideways so, so quick and stay there the entire time. You'd
1: have to make it a four hour special.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what that looks like down the road. But, um, yeah, stick with me. I'm going to sign off real quick and, um, All all that good stuff. So thanks again. Thank you. And listeners, man, we went a little over, uh, our time, but Hey, it's all good. We are storytellers. That's what this is about. Um, Thanks for sticking with us, and uh, we want I want to wish you guys happy holidays, no matter what it is that you celebrate, how you celebrate, where you celebrate. Uh, We're going to pick back up after the new year with uh, with new episodes. We're going to look a little different, and it's going to be amazing, and I can't wait to share with you all the good stuff that's coming up. We got a lot more ATF uh, athletes uh, I'm hoping to maybe maybe even get Travis Mills on, on on this thing with David and maybe Jake from 22Kill. So, we'll see. We are shooting for the stars, guys. But until then, you guys enjoyed these episodes. Subscribe, like, follow, all that stuff. Make sure to check out the 2200Taps YouTube channel. And... be safe.